When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Confession time. I first heard about the place we're visiting for this week's episode of Liminal about 15 years ago, and I've been looking for an excuse to come and see it ever since. It's not somewhere you can just drop in, and it isn't usually open to the public, but one of the volunteers who works here is going to let us in. Right, that's enough mystery. We're going to be getting a tour of a duck decoy, which is surrounded by waterlogged fields close to the village of Hale. For those of you not familiar with the eating habits of 17th century landed gentry, duck decoys were used as a clever way of tricking ducks to make it easier for the gamekeeper to catch and kill them, ready for the Lord of the Manor's tea. This one is believed to have been built in 1633 and was used until the 1850s. It's currently looked after by a group of volunteers who also take care of the nearby Pickering's pasture on the banks of the River Mersey. Now it's time to go and find one of them, Gary Broad, who will take us across the fields to the decoy. Two years ago, um, some cows were found in Hale Village, just wandering around. And what had happened was that the water had risen so much, they'd come out through a hole in the fence and were walking through the water. And, and then when the water receded, they stayed in Hale Village, so the farmer had to come down in the morning and pick them up. <laughs> and in the ditch, way over there, the, the guy who lives there found whiting swimming around in the ditch. They'd been left by the tide. Yeah. So, you can see, it's a bit rugged, so careful how you go. We're right under the flight path as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Thousands of Canada geese. Um, and there were reports that some of them were going to have to be culled a couple of years ago, but nobody ever got round to it. Oh. They don't seem to do any harm. They roost on a field back there, and they fly over when the tide's gone out and feed on the, on the sands and. and uh, so we're going through a gate here and then through another gate and then we're going to pull around the swing bridge walk across the swing right. bridge and then we're on the decoy itself okay. <laughs> cool. 
Shame to see all the litter, isn't it? Yes, and you can see where the tide brings this stuff up. Oh, yeah. Folks, here you come. Because the farmer gives us permission to come across his field to reach here, he's in insisting that we always lock the gates behind us. So this actually swings out across yes, the yeah. expanse of water. The place is essentially a pentagon. Um, if you look at plan view from above, um, just this sort of outline of a pentagon, we've come through the, the bigger moat and the whole thing is also surrounded by a smaller moat, this one here, mm -hmm. and that is to do with the water supply in a central pool. And it's in the central pool where the ducks assemble and that's where in the past um, the Lord of the Manor got his food from. That's the original gamekeeper's cottage, oh, yeah. which unfortunately got into such a state of decay as it was rebuilt in the 1970s. You can see here, this is, uh, this is one of the, uh, the, the five pipes, because uh, each pipe comes off at the angle of the pentagon. And uh, basically, um, they, used to, they always put netting over them in the past, because it's not functioning now. And then and it starts up that end and gradually gets narrower and narrower and mm. finishes at this end here. And uh, the, the ducks basically would be enticed down by the gamekeeper. And, uh, and then, the big, the, then as soon as the ducks were in, the gamekeeper would go back up the top end, drop another net down, keep the dog at that end mm. to keep guard of the opening. And then he knows he's got the ducks trapped. Yeah. And then he can get, use the dog to force the ducks out and ring their necks. Okay, so we'll just move to the corner here so you can see it better. So here's, you can see where the pipe sort of ends round about here. Mm -hmm. And the moat, the inner moat, that one, one part stops there, the next part commences. So there's like five sections of moat and sometimes they become interconnected. Okay. You feel the quietness, can't you? Cut it with a knife. That's lovely. Yeah. And every so often, car goes past. <laughs> <laughs> or easy, Jess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <quite. laughs> yeah. It's a nice time of year to be coming. Isn't it, it is, yes, yes. And, uh, well, it's still quite green in this park. It is, yes, yeah. We have uh, we organise groups of uh, young people to come in, who come in and they go into the ditches and dig the mud out of the bottom of the ditches. Oh, right. Teams of, we've had teams of up to 20 girls, just girls alone, just digging away furiously for two hours without stopping, you know. I was a teacher, by the way, uh, oh, were you? at Holly Lodge Girls oh, yeah. School, yeah. and I was ahead of year there for 186 girls. So you could say for 186 years. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it felt like that. <laughs> yeah, I was ahead of year. Uh, seeing them through from year 7 through to year 11. And that was an interesting job, I'm telling you, it really was. Very fascinating. And then I became uh, a senior teacher in charge of the finance when schools were given their own money to spend. Mm. I was accepted as the, the guy who looked after <laughs> And then five years later, I got earlier retirements because Liverpool were offering teachers who'd just, you know, been there for 30 years uh, earlier retirement. So yeah. 50 or left. I haven't looked back. Mm.
One, one thing, of course, worth noting is that all the way around there's this mound of earth called the Bund, mm. and that's basically the diggings out from the moat put to one side right. to, to form a barrier from the tide getting into the, into the decoy. Unfortunately, back in the 70s, the tide was so enormous that it completely came over the Bund and killed all the trees. So anything which is living now has grown up since the early 70s. They had a hell of a job rect- rectifying it, you know. Um, it was a massive tide, something like 12 metres or something like that. Is there a reason for that? Just a combination of the wind, the moon phase, etc. You know, it's one of those one-off things that you get. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so a, a team of guys back in the 70s came over here with diggers and all sorts of stuff. Hell of a job. It took them months and months. And this basically is the result of their work, you know. Um, and as you'll see as you go around, you see large trees which are dead and never recovered, you know, from that. Mm. That water coming in. So, if you come down here, what um, the um, gamekeeper used to use was a, a dog which looked like a fox. The reason you use that is because whenever ducks see foxes, they like to follow them. They like to keep them in sight so they know exactly where they are, where the enemy is. Mm. So, rather than using a fox, which was a bit difficult, they used, um, used to import dogs from Holland called, called Koikerhuns. Um, and it was a bit pricey to bring them, and a bit, you know, to bring them across, especially for that job. So they bred their own dogs in this mm. country called duck tollers look just like foxes mm. and the one key significance about the two dogs is they never bark because mm. if the dogs bark and they see the ducks the ducks will just take off and mm. fly away it's a total waste of time so the gamekeeper would start at the top end there with his dog and he would come further back here throw some seed across into the, uh, the pipe and then call the dog back as the dog walked back he would he'd be hiding behind here the dog he, the dog would then look out there then he'd move down and the dog would look out there. So gradually the ducks would be following the dog down. And then, of course, when, when they reached the bottom end there, he would quickly nip back up there, throw the net down, and he knows the dog's down there, not letting them out, and he's got them trapped. So that's how it works with a series of screens. But you can see, to, to build this, I mean, there, 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 there were screens here back in the 1600s when it was built, you know. Mm. What a feat! of uh, engineering it must have been in sick you know the shovels basically you know yeah uh, and uh, just tremendous this is the tom johnson hide uh, i designed the hide and and built it with a team of guys in memory of uh, johnson's paint owner tom johnson who died um, about seven or eight years ago so we built the bird hive and you can see we left a little plaque. Right, okay, careful going coming up the stairs. As I say, this is what I designed and helped to build. Have a little sit down somewhere. Or look out through here, whichever you can see across the marsh. The marsh is a site of special scientific interest, so you can't do anything else with it basically. So there are, apart from having horses, sort of grazing on it. And uh, it's 
You do get the feeling, don't you, if it wasn't for all those buildings over there, it wouldn't have looked anything different from four centuries ago. Yeah. So peaceful. It is peaceful, yes. You see uh, the Frodsham wind vanes over there, of course. Here's the moat just down here, you can see. We have to get a farmer to get his tractor out for us and drag all the wood ac across the decoy. Okay, all right. We move on. Just notice one little thing. Where you go? These we put in the swallow nest right. boxes. And we get swallows coming in every year. They fly in through the window and, and raise their young. And there's, there's the, the excrement from the young. Mm. And then they fly off out when, when they're all done. Mm. Again, premier in for swallows. <laughs> How did you get involved in Pickering's pasture? We just, one of the neighbours said, oh, there's a, there's a friends group um, down at Pickering's pasture. We'd, we'd never even heard of Pickering's pasture. So we walked down and, and the friends group were there having one of their meetings by sheer chance. So we poked our heads in and said, is it okay, okay if we sort of join you? And he said, oh yeah, you're welcome. And within a week I was the secretary. <laughs> and then the ranger was... Um, the ranger service was disbanded. He used to chair the meetings. So my wife took over as chair, so she's oh, okay. the chair of the group. I'm in charge of supplying the tools and the nuts and bolts, basically, for work that we do here, paint and so forth. And do you plan to just carry on here? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, no, 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 no. So were you interested in wildlife? Oh, yeah, always have been, yes, yes. Oh, since I was a boy, yeah, I remember. My mother bought me my first plastic microscope and uh, just loved looking at pond water. And yeah. I've always been mad about classification. When I was uh, in Holly Lodge, when the BBC computer had only just come out, the very first available computer years ago, I wrote a programme called Classify, oh. where you could key in the name of any animal at all, anything at all and it would classify us and give the features of the classification. Oh, really? Yeah. It took me ages to do. And, uh, and people around Liverpool, teachers around Liverpool, used to take copies of it and I'd say, here, you go and use it. And they used to use it with classes. do now is take you across to the central high which overlooks the lake. That's quite interesting. There might even be some bird life there if you see. <coughs> Walkable. So do do be careful as you're coming coming across here. You put netting down, you know, for grip. Oh yeah. Huge. Let's see. You can see the shape of the Pentagon now, can't you? Yeah. And you can see there's a lot of dead trees around, you know, those over there. And that's where the cormorants and herons tend to roost. Oh. Not an awful lot of ducks around. If you look around towards the fringes, there's a few swimming around. 
Back in the 1600s, to plan something like this, that's a concept of doing something like that. It's just so the Lord of the Manor could feed his face on ducks, you know. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Were there many in the country? Uh, there, was a, there was a time when there was quite a few. There's only three left now, none of which are functioning. So there's some left in Holland which are functioning, yes. As, as, the, as, as decoys, yes. But they still use them as decoys? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Not very many now, but still. The National Trust has one. The ones which are in use are predominantly for ringing ducks rather than killing the ducks for food. They still, still, they still take the ducks and eat them, some of them, but they use them for capturing the ducks and then ringing them and then releasing them so they know what their uh, migratory habits are. About ten years ago, you might come here and one day find 500 teal. Really? All just milling around and ducking and diving and feeding and so forth, but hardly ever get teal nowadays. It just doesn't seem to happen. Pretty really. Yeah. It's quite a spectacular sight. If you can imagine the whole place just littered in the same duck. <laughs> what do tail look like? Tail, very colourful little duck. Um, the male is much more colourful than the female. Um, the females are sort of, uh, a sort of dull, dull brown duck. No, nothing exceptional. But the male has got greens and reds, and it's it's, it's really brightly coloured. Lovely little things they are. But as I say, very few of them. Must be lovely to see kingfisher. Yes, nice. Yeah, you just see a flash of blue and then then it's gone. Yeah. yeah. In amongst the uh, Canada geese, we occasionally get geese called pinkfoots. Oh yeah. And pinkfooted geese are the ones which fly extremely high in huge V-shaped skeins. If you ever see that and you hear a, a little sort of clucking noise from each of them, you know, very high up, that'll be a pink-footed goose. They sometimes mix in with the Canada's, you know, in the feeding, but not very often. Okay, walk along here, show you another feature. more evidence of the dead trees. <coughs> here we have the final pipe again in a state of disrepair um, and it's, this is the last the last pipe of them all and we're back to where we started here we're back to the gamekeeper's cottage and we've done a perambulation of the whole, mm -hmm. the whole episode of Liminal was presented, produced and edited by me, Laura Davis. You can find the series wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. Liminal is a Laudable production for the Liverpool Echo. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media, on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts. If you like what you heard, Please rate and review Liminal and help other listeners discover us too. And join us next week when we'll be taking another walk along the coastline and meeting some of the people who have made their lives there. <laughs>